Welcome to Buzzkill episode 17. We are back in the mission at the apartment of Brian X Chen. After two weeks away. Welcome home, guys. Yeah, it feels good, good to, be, to back. be back. I am Mark Million. We're here, as always, with Nate OG. Yeah. Um, this is the only program with fewer fans in Russia than James Comey. Ooh, burn. burn. Wait, you, you burned us, but... Burn us. <laughs> yeah. That's usually okay. how it goes. Self-burn. Self-burn. Uh, the way this works for our one new new listener, the guy who tweeted at us before the show. Uh, thank you yeah, for Brent. tuning in. His name's Brent. Shout out. Yeah, Brent. Um, <laughs> the way this works is we come up with a bunch of topics in advance. Uh, topics from various uh, pop culture, uh, movies, politics, business, all the sorts of things that we're interested in. Um, we go through them one at a time. When any of us gets bored with a topic, we hit a buzzer, and this week's buzzer sounds like this. Oh, and that is in honor of Adam West. The great Adam West. Rest in peace, descanse en paz, Adam West. The brightest dark night of them all. Uh, I, I gotta say, I don't know, I know we're all Batman fans here, but I had the, the Adam West Batman movie... Uh, uh, from the 60s on uh, uh, VHS and I would, would watch that over and over and over again as a kid uh, you know watched all the the goofy campy corny uh, episodes of the TV show I think there was only like two seasons uh, but but for me that was like formative stuff as a kid I mean you know yeah. drawing Batman he was bright blue he was gray he was smiling, and it was because because of the depiction that I saw from Adam West. Yeah, let's be honest. Adam West's Batman was not the best Batman in history. You know, like, I critically acclaimed that is. Like, but, but he did Batman a great thing in that, you know, he brought it to the mainstream and introduced the character to many of us when we were young. Yeah. And, and the character stayed with us as we grew older and were introduced to better Batman movies and stuff. Like uh, Batman Forever, the no. great 90s okay. classic. Okay, there are a lot of horrible Batman, Batman Forever. I, I love George Clooney as an actor, like, oh. in most films. But he was the worst Batman of them all. I think even Val Kilmer, who was trash, was a better no, Batman. I, I think even it's... Ben Affleck is a better Batman than George Clooney. I don't know. All three of them are really fucking bad. There's been a lot of bad Batmans. But, but George Clooney had the nipple costume. His his costume had the, the yeah, nipples. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was that was bad. What was that, about? that was like the worst. But uh, you know, I think I, you gotta say like Adam West was his own kind of spin on this, his own take on the character, and. Of course, like you said, Ryan, the Batman movies subsequently, they're better films, they're better actors, whatever. But, you know... There's really only three better films. Well, but it was, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was different back then. I mean, Batman, Superman, those movies, those TV shows, those characters were really for kids still. And yeah, I get it. Like, we grew up with those characters. Now we're adults. We're darker people. We want to see darker versions of these characters. But it is kind of a bummer sometimes when, you know, we go and see a movie and it's a superhero movie and then you leave and you're like, damn, like my, you know, eight year old self couldn't have seen this movie. It's, it would be too much. It'd be too dark. Uh, it's rated R or whatever. So it was just a different time. I mean, Adam West's Batman was perfect for our childhoods, but, you know, obviously wouldn't be something that you could recreate today. I mean, uh, let's just keep going. <laughs> um, Oops. Okay. So so Thursday. This is not a buzzkill, Brian. If Mark doesn't mess up the buzzer at least once. <laughs> yeah. 
On Thursday, um, I was late to work, as always, but um, I actually had an excuse to be late to work is because <laughs> Comey was testifying about his experience of Trump and the reasons that he thought he was fired. Well, that counts as work. You worked the New York Times. That's true. It was kind of work for me. But, um, man, it was such a blockbuster testimony, wasn't it? Did you, did you guys watch the whole thing? I wasn't able to watch the whole thing. I saw, saw some of the highlights. I saw and bits course, and pieces. Of press I read, read the letter beforehand. Mm-hmm. So yeah, re- yeah. He read, yeah, his full testimony. Although he didn't write in the letter, Lordy. Lordy. <laughs> my highlight of the event. Yeah, I mean, that was Lordy. I, I hope there are tapes when asked if uh, he's okay with President Trump releasing rumored tapes of their conversations. So what were the highlights you guys think? I, I feel like they were that, um, first of all, all the leaks were true. Yeah. And second of all, Comey was the leaker. <laughs> he yeah. pretty much in, had to admit. In a way. Well, you know? well I think what... what what Comey and this is this is I'm I'm glad you brought this up. This is an interesting distinction. Co- what Comey testified on uh, were his own personal memos of meetings he had with President Trump, and so those aren't classified documents. Those aren't uh, uh, you know tr- um, defense secrets. Those aren't they're, the sort they're of things. They're arguing they're privileged. Yeah, they're those the aren't executive the, privilege. Well, they didn't wise. invoke the executive privilege to stop him from talking. So I think that argument's not really going to go anywhere. But we'll see. We'll find out. But nonetheless, that's that's what he was testifying on, and that testimony basically said repeatedly, well, kind of we already knew that Donald Trump, uh, our president, uh, lies a lot continually and i guess there's a distinction here over you know i really trump saying i really hope that you drop this uh investigation against michael flynn versus actually saying you need to drop the investigation against michael flynn so you know i I thought it was kind of just telling us to a certain extent what we already knew um but it really does seem i think the question that that needs to be asked here by congress and by the special investigator who's looking into this outside of congress uh, Robert Mueller, a former FBI director, is really whether or not these meetings and Trump asking Comey to pledge loyalty and Trump asking Comey to drop the Flynn investigation is an obstruction of justice. Because if it was an obstruction of justice, then that's an actual legal determination that will be found out irregardless of how anybody feels or what's you know Republican or Democrat or whatever. Um, then that would be an impeachable defense. Yeah, it was definitely or, uh, offense. It was definitely fascinating to see not just Comey testify; he's really good at testifying. Yeah. But also some of the senators, uh, including the Republican senators, who are you know they're all lawyers, they're all experienced with doing this, and you know playing semantical splitting of hairs, yeah. like like saying like well, when Trump said. Uh, what did Trump say again? Like, I, like thinking about letting this go. Or, I hope. I hope, I hope you, let you let this, this go. go. Yeah. The senator was like, "Well, he didn't demand that you let this go. He just yeah. said, I hope you let this go.' Yeah. So that's not telling you what to do, is it? But it's like, come on, it's the president of the fucking United States. Are you well, one me? of my favorite tweets was a side by side comparison of that exact moment of CNN's broadcast and Fox News's broadcast. Yeah. And the ticker <laughs> on the bottom for CNN was like uh, Comey colon. I felt like Trump was ordering me to end the investigation. Fox News's ticker was Comey. Trump did not order me to end the investigation. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. and it was, it was really interesting. I mean, basically, uh, you know, some news outlets and some uh, analysts and, and opinion folks out there said, "Okay, this is a clear obstruction of justice." And then Trump himself comes out and says, "Well, he totally vindicated me because he he said that like he never told me I was involved in an investigation, uh, you know, with ties to Russia, and well, he lied through half of it anyways." 
I mean, uh, oh, I keep doing this. Sorry, you're about to hit the buzzer. No, no, no. <laughs> the buzzer. you can finish. Um, I mean, I I like seeing uh, Comey testify largely because it showed that he was such a bureaucrat. You know, like he he never spoke you know personally on his own behalf. He yeah. always just said this is all about the bureau and about the country. Like, don't think about Democrats. Don't think about Republicans. Think about with the Republicans hacking the election. They're yeah. going to do it again. Yeah. Uh, or it, the, it the, just, the Russians. Yeah. Yeah, it was re- remarkable to watch. And uh, I think he also endeared himself to journalists in particular because he would have these meetings and then he would immediately go and like take copious notes about yeah. everything that was said which is like exactly what we do well, I but think Trump's gonna lie so I'm gonna document this. it's like an incredible vindication to the left in particular because he was the enemy in November and yeah. in October yeah. I mean he destroyed the Democratic candidate to some extent Yeah, yeah. and now he's like really saved his image by helping take down uh, the Republican I've been pretty <laughs> amazed by where this seems like it could be going in terms of the reaction from the Trump administration, uh, Trump has said that he would be willing to testify uh, before Congress about these exact meetings. Uh, and there have been a bunch of like legal experts who have been out there saying like no one would ever want their client, much less the president of the United States, to go under oath and testify. The optics are like terrible and they're going to do everything they can to keep him from actually having to do that. But Trump is basically saying, like, I'll justify. We'll talk about it. I have tapes. I'll release the tapes. <laughs> so Congress has given the Trump White House two weeks to actually provide these tapes if they do exist, which, of course, is a matter of question. And Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, is set to co- uh, testify to Congress on Tuesday in regard to um, uh, all this as well, which is really fascinating because he's been caught lying to uh, to Congress and Senate to get uh, approved as the Attorney General for meetings with Russians. Uh, so, um, pretty there fascinating There are many parallels here. to the latest season of House of Cards, if anybody sees it. They have an incredible ability <laughs> to like anticipate the political cycles. Pretty, pretty, a sad ability, but it's true. Um, okay, now we're going to talk about a another train wreck, but this time from the business world, um, Uber, which we have discussed on previous podcasts, is now um, deliberating whether its CEO should take a leave of absence and also whether it should part ways with its head of business, who is also one of the CEO's best friends, this guy, Emil Michael. Both of them played a role in some of the company's biggest scandals that have been under investigation from recent years. There was a trip to a, uh, let's say, a karaoke bar in South Korea where some uh, potentially shady things might have go- go- gone on that prompted a uh, complaint uh, to HR. Um, such, such as? Well, the description that we had heard was... Um, it had been reported as an escort bar, which is a, uh, an explosive claim to make. The description that we heard, and, and there's these things throughout Seoul that are called hostess bars where you yeah. go and it's like you can do karaoke and there are these like women you can like summon to your tables. As th- at this particular one, um, like their women would have uh, ta- numbered tags on them and wow. then you would like say, I want number 23 and 26, like come to our table. And so, understandably, one of the one of the women Uber employees in attendance felt a little uncomfortable and reported to HR. I can, I can see why she might. 
Um, as happens at a company like Uber, HR apparently did nothing about it. <laughs> um, and now that has come to the fore amid the, the various investigations that Uber has commissioned into its culture. And there was also like a recent, like what, a year ago, they had that big party and uh, Travis, the CEO, sent an email, basically instructions like, if you have sex with people, whether it's one or multiple, like make sure that they verbally tell you it's okay to have sex with them. <laughs> and if that you, they're not in your chain of command. And then if they're not in your yeah. chain of command. And then he said, uh, but I'm the CEO, so I guess I won't be having sex with anybody. So like yeah. FML, FMO, hashtag FML. Yeah. CEO, celebrate life, whatever. And then, and then he also said like there was going to be a $200 fine if you puke anywhere on the premises publicly because, you know. It was like a resort or something like that. Yeah, so very childish. There was some there was some culture problems there. It was like 2013, there. but yeah, yeah, it was still a company of about 200 people at that point. Probably yeah. not okay for CEO to send that letter to uh, to 200 people. The other explosive uh, scandal was like this this thing in India yeah. in 2014. There was this high profile case where a woman said she was raped by an Uber driver. It was a huge PR nightmare for the company. Um, they eventually responded by like rolling out like an SOS button into the app to call emergency services, doing background checks on drivers. But in the background, um, their head of Asia business had acquired the rape alleged at the time, alleged rape victims medical report and was like flaunting it around the office, distributing it. Yeah. God, that's that, people that, that is sickening. Look, so, there's signs here that she wasn't like there's no physical abuse that happened. Oh and there's God. this theory that like their competitor in India had like planted the story. It was really bad. The guy was convicted the next year of the rape, so the rape happened. And recently they fired that executive who was who basically oversaw their international expansions, right? Yeah, so he oversaw just, Asia. Just curious, so so medical records are confidential here, but in India do those privacy rules apply as well? I'm not trying to justify anything. I'm just curious. Uh, so what we had heard is that he obtained the medical report from Uber's law firm, which uh -huh. um, was assessing it as part of a lawsuit that she that the victim was filing against Uber that they eventually settled for more than $3 million. Um, and that they thought that they needed... I don't know why, like, the head of Asia business needs to, like, go through this woman's medical reports, but he, like, his belief was that he needed to look at it to assess whether Uber should settle the case. Hmm. And, and he flaunted it around the office. It was very professional. Yeah. And, and then they also laid off 20 employees uh, last week um, that basically they did their own kind of internal investigation into sexual harassment claims. Yeah, they had like Eric Holder. They had well no, this was separate from the Holder thing. This was like a different law firm oh, they brought in. Shit. And yeah. then they had like Perkins Coy came in and did their own investigation in 215 uh, HR claims. And that, and that resulted in 20 people being let go. More than 20 people were fired as but, a result. And so the Holder uh, so Eric Holder, the former attorney general under the Obama administration was hired by Uber to come in do an evaluation of the company and help them turn their culture around essentially, right? weird pause in the uh, audio because there was some breaking news during this show that I had to step away for a moment to deal with on this very topic. Um, the board of directors from Uber released a statement saying that they met with Eric Holder and his colleague um, today, uh, Sunday, and that the board unanimously voted to adopt all of the recommendations from the Holder report 
and that those recommendations will be released to employees on Tuesday. But they so haven't said what those recommendations are. Yes, right? so we don't know exactly what that means. The questions are still, does the CEO take a leave of absence, which uh, was suggested as uh, as a topic of conversation in the board meeting today? And I, I hate to hate to conflate these two things, but recently uh, uh, Travis Kalanick's mom died. Um and a tragic boating accident. A tragic boating accident. And uh, the reports have been that Travis himself, the CEO himself, has suggested that maybe a leave of absence uh, for himself would be appropriate in light of his mom's death, which it's only two weeks old. Um, and that's a serious thing. We you know, wouldn't want to make light of that. But, um, you know, that, among other reasons, it sounds like it might be a good idea for him to take a leave of absence. It's always considering the, they've, they were also discussing potentially uh, parting ways with their head of business, Emil Michael. Who was a good friend of his, Who was right? involved in some of those yeah. controversies we talked about. Uh, so, yeah, the company is in some shambles right so now. So people should take Lyft. That is an option. <laughs> uh, okay, buzzer right, trouble. We'll have to... We'll have to... <laughs> oh, it didn't oh, even no. go. Um, <laughs> Mark, yeah. <laughs> it's your only job, man. It's your only job, and my job. I'm also failing it because I don't know if it's my turn. I can't. You're see up it. on HomePod. Buddy. Oh, the HomePod thing. Yeah. So, um, so this week was it? This week, last week yeah, was the no, Apple it was, conference. It was Monday. It was Monday. I guess now it's Sunday. So last week last was the week. Apple conference, um, WWDC, and Apple introduced, uh, among other things, the newest thing was the HomePod, which was um, their smart speaker. It's a response to not just the Amazon Echo, but also the Google Home, and and many people are saying it's it's a response to Bose. Um, and I guess kind of to I Sonos. Mean, sorry, not Bose. Sonos. Does, Sonos. Which, which is interesting because Apple's been selling Sonos speakers in their Apple stores for like the last what, like a year or something. Right, and so the way that this is a response to Sonos is that the the HomePod is a multi-speaker system. You can mm-hmm. ba- basically daisy chain multiple. Uh, HomePod in multiple speakers. different rooms. Yeah, you can say, you know, like I, I want to play this in the living room, or I can switch it to play in the kitchen or the bedroom, and so on. So you just set it up over Wi-Fi like that. You can push your music to different speakers throughout the house. Each one costs uh, three hundred twenty-nine dollars, which is a lot of money for a speaker. Um, the, the thing that Apple is playing up is the sound quality of the speaker. Um, they're not talking so much about artificial intelligence here. They're not talking about because like, Siri's garbage. I mean, Siri, yeah, Siri is the worst well, of the three. All, all, um, all of them are bad. I, I would say Siri is the bad. worst of the three. I haven't checked recently, but um, I, when I checked two years ago, they were all equally bad. I haven't checked well, again recently. Well, they've but, all grown a lot in two years. Especially Alexa was the worst two years ago. Alexa, right. Alexa was the Alexa, worst two years ago. It's going oh. off. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. If you if you have the an Amazon, Amazon Echo, mute your Echo right now. <laughs> the Amazon one can do the least of the three, but for what it can do, it will do it and do it well. Right. You can set a timer for the kitchen. You can uh, play music. You can make it turn on your lights and stuff like that. Those but, are some really basic things that you you would like to do. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's you know, and we've talked about this a lot in past episodes, but. I think there's a distinction that's important that needs to be mentioned every time we talk about these uh, artificial intelligent, you know, assistants controlled by voice, whatever you want to call them, is that they're like having an an echo speaker in your home or even having a Google home speaker in your home 
are genuine privacy compromises and and you're giving up a ton of your own personal data and allowing these companies basically to have an always on always listening mic in your home and Amazon's upping the ante with adding a camera to it with the upcoming Echo <laughs> show, right? Yeah. So um, it's it's something that I don't think consumers fully understand how much they're giving up of their own data and privacy in the process. Yeah. But, you know, some are comfortable with that. One of the selling points, and like, like you said, Brian, the main selling point is, is sound quality. Sound quality, yeah. They're playing that up. They're not so yeah. much playing up this, the privacy aspect. But, it, but, it, but it's there, it's kind of be, across the company they're, portfolio. They're going to mention that at some point. But, yeah, they, they didn't talk about AI. They didn't really, really talk about privacy that much. Well, they did, they did in terms of music. Again, they talked about Siri being like this musicologist. And it doesn't even do Spotify. And... And it's like well, it's like a speaker. If all you own are Apple products, okay, and okay, you, you can Apple play music. Spotify actually, but you, you can't can? use you can't use the voice controls for Spotify. Oh, so, okay. so you, so you have to open your iPhone and hit spot, open Spotify, what and AirPlay, yes. AirPlay to the speakers. So the voice control is for Apple Music, which is Apple's uh, streaming service. And the musicologist point, as I was saying, is basically it'll like get to know what you're listening to, and it can make recommendations and. And it's supposed to be like a music expert. Now, you know, we'll see how that is in practice. We haven't gotten to try it because it doesn't come out until December. But Brian got a chance to actually listen to it. Yeah, it actually sounded really good. It did sound better than the Sonos. They, they had a Sonos and... Um, they had a Sonos Play 3, right? Yeah, they, they were playing like songs like Sia's uh, The Greatest. And yeah. they would like, you know, start playing the song and then uh-huh. it would continue playing on the other speaker. Well, it's not hard to beat an Echo because the echo, Echoes sound like shit. Yeah, yeah. But the Sonos has pretty good speakers. The Sonos sounds pretty good, but the, the, the Apple one does sound better in that it's like a more like... Like surround sound kind of a thing. Well, yes, Jimmy Ivy and Dr. Dre turned the bass way up, and it's like, oh, this does sound good. Is it was it just one speaker or two in your demo? It's just one speaker in the demo, but they had each of the you know the competitors next to it, um, and they would play music. And hmm. yeah, definitely the Apple one sounded better. All My right. question is, how much does that matter? You know, well, because well that, that's what I want to ask you. Is like, here's what I have in my living room. I have a Sonos Play Bar uh-huh. and two Play Ones and a sub. So I've got the surround sound Sonos in my living room. Room. Yeah. I've got one Sonos Play One in my bedroom, and I've been wanting to buy a speaker for my kitchen. Like, should should I just keep going in on Sonos, or should I like wait for HomePod to come out and, and see how it sounds? I mean, or I'm like, gonna guesstimate that that system costs of like more than a thousand dollars. Yeah. And, like, if you already invested that much, then you're probably not gonna buy like a thousand dollars worth of Apple speakers. You well, know? This, it's, well, the it's thing- not that much better. Mm-hmm. To to like just dump everything and throw it all away for the same reason I'm not gonna throw away my Echo when you know the the HomePod is, is introduced maybe like I'll try one and I'll have one I, I have no idea well, yeah I have an Echo and a, and a Google Home like sitting in a box in my closet because they suck and they're not really that useful and they sound like shit so I don't know I am hopeful that at some point uh, the HomePod will be able to control Sonos speakers. But it sounds like the only uh, control for HomePods will be AirPlay 2 speakers, which Sonos speakers are not, which sucks for me. Yeah, and you'd have to buy probably like an Airport Express dealy hook uh-huh. that up to the Sonos. I mean, Spain. I feel like the main thing that sucks about Sonos, though, is the app. I hate I hate the app so much. The app sucks. They, take for, they announced that they're going to support like Amazon Echo's six months ago they take forever to do anything they do take a long time but they do come through when they say they're going to do stuff even if it takes a long time 
and it's like the easiest system to set up and they sound really good. I mean, yeah, their app isn't as, as good as I'd like and I would like to have voice control, but you know, for Wi-Fi streaming speakers and wireless, like bang for your buck, like Sonos, Sonos is the best. All right, enough about that. Let's talk about video games. There are two I think you guys need to be playing. One is Monument Valley 2. I suggested this earlier and Mark God, basically told me to Mark told me basically to go to hell. He's like, I've never played the first one, I don't want to play the second one. And I, I, I offered to send you the game for free. And you said, no, I probably won't play it anyways. But Monument Valley, the first one, it was the first mobile game that I played that I genuinely loved on the level of like a console game that I love, of like a Zelda or of like a Mass Effect 2 or something like this. And it, and I hadn't really enjoyed a mobile game that much. Monument Valley 2 is amazing. And Wait, what does the game involve? I've never played Basically, there are these like MC Escher style worlds uh, and you have to manipulate them and move a character around uh, to, to, to get through the puzzle. And it's a beautiful game, amazing art, the music is, is fantastic. It's, it's a simple game, it's not a very hard game, but, and you know, I'd say each, each title probably has maybe like three to five hours worth of gameplay, but they're fantastic. So Monument Valley 2, that's the one you guys need to be given a shot. Based, based on my heartfelt- Speaking of puzzle games, like, so- are you, Would you guys give this a shot? All right, one day. I, I just have had no time this week. I was at the Apple conference. All right, I was writing right. like three articles. That's fair. But Brian's willing to do it. Mark, <laughs> are you finally willing to give Monument Valley a try? Don't I need to play Monument Valley 1 before I play Monument Valley 2? If you want, I'll send you Monument Valley 1. You don't have to play them. Is but there even I, a story? To there know? is. There is a story oh, in the game. A there is a story. Okay. But it, it, the story is kind of written so that you can play one or the other. You don't have to play them in order. But they do relate. But Mark's gonna, Mark, you're willing to try it. Okay, so that's game number one. Game number two? If you have a Nintendo Switch, it's ARMS. It's a fighting game, but unlike Street Fighter where you know, you're just watching two characters fight side by side, this is like over the shoulder. It's fantastic. The characters are quirky. There's already like a passionate fan base like doing a ton of fan art and all kinds of you know, fan fiction and cool stuff like that. And it's just like really, really fun to play. I played the Test Fire. It was cool. I think it was, it's a really like original concept, mm -hmm. a different take on a boxing game. I don't know how deep it is or how much I would want to stick with it. It's, it's actually surprisingly deep in, in that like they have a regular, they call it Grand Prix. It's like a mode where you play all the characters in the game and then you beat them or whatever. But then they have like a their own take on basketball, uh, where you actually like grab the other player and slam dunk them. You have, they have their own take on volleyball, where you're like hitting a volleyball back and forth and it explodes after a certain amount of time or if it touches the ground. And those help you with your timing and precision, which help you be a better fighter in the campaign. I'm hoping that over time though, they do have like downloadable content with like extra characters and you know, new uh, arms, because basically each character has like a spring-loaded arm that they can like throw at each other. Wait, do we play this online with each other at some point? We can. It's an option. All right, I guess we should try it. You downloaded actually, it, but you haven't actually played it yet, right? I used Nintendo Switch for once. It's so good. Uh, after the I, Zelda, after you spent like, hundred hours in Zelda. Yeah. Well, and after that, I was like done. Well, well like, when the Switch first came out, Zelda was the only reason to buy it. Then. Mario, Mario Kart, Kart came out, but you know, as Brian rightfully brought up, that game came out on the Wii U, so is it really new? This is an all new game, an all new piece of intellectual property, new characters, unlike any fighting game you've ever played before. It's a reason to buy this. I'm stoked for Splatoon. 
I played the test fire of that. I'm that stoked for really Splatoon good. 2 also. In other uh, gaming news, games that you can't play now, uh, like nerds. Splatoon. <laughs> nerds. This week is uh, E3, the, the biggest uh, yearly video game show and in Los Angeles. It's like starting way earlier, basically. Like, yeah, EA I mean, the first had a thing. was on Saturday. That was yeah. annoying. This is going to be, it yeah. used to just be a couple days, and now they're really stretching out to like a whole, a whole yeah, week. Yeah, they're right? pulling a CES where like companies will come out like four days before the show actually it's starts. Kind of exhausting. Start like getting ahead of the news. So, um, the, I guess the biggest news so far in the first two days is the announcement of um, uh, Xbox, well, Xbox One, One X. X or Boring. the X-Bone X. It's, it's such a terrible, like, uh, it's Why just not a cool name. <laughs> yeah, it's just not a cool name for a console. It's, just, it's confusing. They should have called it Scorpio. Like, it was rumored to be called Project Scorpio, which is just, like, you know, ridiculous. Video game code but... names are always better than the actual console, yeah. with the exception of most Nintendo code names. Yeah, that's that's but, fair. Look, that's I fair. know X's are cool. I put one in my middle name. It's not even real. But, <laughs> you know, like, to have two X's but in he, the name is just too much. Basically, basically, with the Xbox One X, like, they had this event... You know, and they're just and they just rattle off you know basically specs that no one gives a shit about except for like the most hardcore PC gamers. And they're like, oh, it can do like this many teraflops, and it can you know nanometer, blah blah blah. And okay, that's Nobody fine. Nobody knows what a teraflop. No one gives is. a shit. Even even like yeah, engineers at MIT don't know what a teraflop is. <laughs> Here's the bottom line: it's five hundred dollars, which is twice as much as the Xbox One S, which is the Xbox you should buy, and. It doesn't really do that much different. What it does that the other one can't do is 4K gameplay, which the Sony PlayStation 4 Pro can do for 100 bucks less. But and it does HDR. It? Well, they, they announced, I think, like 35 titles at this event. You know, really going forward, if you have the PlayStation 4 Pro, which does 4K gaming and HDR, and you have the Xbox One X, which does 4K gaming and HDR, if you're making a big blockbuster game, you're gonna want to make it so that it can be supported on both of these consoles. Because if someone's playing it on the regular PlayStation 4 or the regular Xbox One S, then they just get a downscaled version without HDR, which is just fine. It's still a kick-ass game, but for those who have it, it's gonna be the best thing. It's kind of future-proofing it a little bit. This is where the next generation consoles are going, essentially. I feel like 4K is taking so long to pick up, right? Like, it's been forever since they introduced it. I, I don't remember, didn't 1080p pick up way faster well, than 4K? Well, 720p picked up first, and then 1080p, yeah. and then... I mean, it took years So, for it takes years, it takes but years. But 4K has been around for like, what, like four or five years now? And like, yeah. I, I mean, personally, I have a 4K TV, but that's because there weren't any good 1080p TVs to buy anymore, so yeah. I was forced into... Well, yeah, I mean, now you can get a 4K TV for like 500 bucks or something, right? Right, 700 yeah, bucks, so you so pretty much have like... to buy a 4K TV, but you still don't have any fucking 4K content to the watch. The one thing I didn't know when I got my 4K TV is that I would have to pay an extra two bucks per month to Netflix. Oh, yeah, they... they they changed that yeah, recently. That they, fucking sucked. They added that as a tier, but it used to be free. So. Yeah, but the the Xbox One X will support virtual reality headsets of some kind. Microsoft says someday, but not <laughs> this year. And they aren't saying what what ones. So that's the distinction between the PlayStation Four Pro and which can support and the regular PlayStation Four. Both of which can support the PlayStation VR headset, which has sold like more than 10 million or something already. So it's mm. it's 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 a success. It was an exceptionally weak pitch for a, a product of any kind. They were like, 
most people spend their time in Netflix and YouTube, mm-hmm. all of which get 4K content. If that's your pitch, like Roku can be like, buy our $80 <laughs> yeah. 4K thing. Don't spend what will probably be $500 on this thing. But there was one game at a non-Microsoft event. EA has this thing called EA Play. It's their, it's their keynote or whatever for, for E3. Uh, and there was a game there that we saw that looked really cool. It looks really cool. It's called The Way Out. It's the concept is like a Shawshank Redemption like prison break, except you have an accomplice and it the game can only be played in co-op mode. So it's two players working together to try to break out of a prison. It looks really cool. You should check out the trailer. It, it, one thing that stuck out to the trailer for me was that it's almost always in some kind of split screen. So you'll have like, you know, one half horizontally, you know, is, is to one player, the other half is the other. Sometimes it'll go vertical. Sometimes, like, three-fourths of the screen are dedicated to one player. And it's cool. Like, you know, you have a mission, and then you get to decide, okay, you know, Mark's going to go do this thing, and then, you know, I'm going to, like, distract the guard. Or Brian's going to go, you know, punch this guy in the face, and I'm going to go, you know, grab that gun or whatever. You kind of have to figure things out. It looks super promising. I'm I'm super stoked to play this game. Yeah, this game looks pretty cool. Um, it was from the makers of Brothers, which was a pretty nice mini game. It cost like $9, but it was like a two-player game, and each person controls one controller, of course, and one player on the screen, and you're doing stuff like one person's pulling a rope, another per- person's uh, spinning a wheel or something, and you're solving puzzles together simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, kind of the same idea, but with much better-looking graphics and interesting gameplay with this new one. So in the next few days ahead, we have Ubisoft's going to have a press event. Sony's going to have some press Creed, event. We'll see. Um, and we're also going to see a press event from Nintendo. They did show off an Assassin's Creed game at the Xbox One X I heard event, about that. And it's called Assassin's Creed Origins, and it takes place in ancient Egypt. And thankfully, most of the characters that were shown on screen were brown and black people, which is historically <laughs> accurate, unlike majority white people. Unlike with like Scott movies. Exactly. But I'm sure they all spoke English in the voice of Valcom. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you for listening. Episode 17 of the Buzzkill podcast. Not the BuzzFeed podcast. Not no, the BuzzFeed Buzz podcast. Buzzkill. Go like, subscribe, tell your friends about it. Uh, leave us a five star and a comment and a review on whatever your favorite. Or leave us a one is. star. Be honest. Or yeah, be like, this is total shit. Like, don't allow them to have access to the internet. Whatever makes you happy. Thanks for listening.